0: my mama would say you gotta fight for what is right to her i would say i want to give back the world Oh uh-huh. If you're one with
1: Christ. Hey, good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Friday, December 22nd in the year 2023. So we kind of roll into the Christmas, pre-Christmas, Christmas weekend, and then into Monday for Christmas. A lot of things that we need to kind of set aside And I'm going to be really honest tonight, I intentionally was kind of arrived at a place today where I didn't prepare a show tonight, and I'm just going to kind of let the Holy Spirit flow and see where we go, because there's a lot out here, I think, that needs to be said in good ways. We've been running pretty hard and heavy on some pretty heavy topics this week, and I think there's some other things in all of this that we're going to sort out tonight, and just good things to walk into the weekend with and walk in with family with. One thing I do want to say real importantly is that we need to be aware of the financial system right now. And those are heavy things. Uh, it's a good time when you're with friends and family over the weekend to be talking about that and sort of the preparations that you do in getting your stuff back by gold and silver. And that's essential. We've got to get out of this paper currency. Birch Gold is one of the experts in this area. They've been a sponsor with us for over a year and a half. They're great folks. If you text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to eight 9898. That's BARDS, B A R D S, to 989898. You'll get a free info packet from Birch Gold. It gives you a chance to read up on the things that they do. One of their specialties is moving 401ks and IRAs into precious metals backed retirement accounts, which is so critical in this time. So if you will take the time to do that, it's a free info packet read up, give them a call, set up a time to talk to them, have them guide you through how they can help you. It's a critical thing to do right now in preserving our money. And it's so far much to do. So, there's a lot of things on the horizon right now as we head into this weekend. And I think intentionally, like, happens every single time. We end up in sort of a, a turmoil of sorts as we head into the season of the celebration of life and the birth of Jesus. And unfortunately, so much of that is by design. And it's such it's so important that we start realizing the magnitude of this puppet show that we're part of. In the previous show, someone asked, wrote in the chat, what in our world is real? And my answer was Jesus. And I think this is one of the important things to kind of hang on to because in the previous show, we walked out through, we walked through the Operation Paperclip, we walked through the, the destruction of the family, we've walked through this last week, we've also walked through the, the whole idea of the moon landing, which is a huge psyop on the world, and what that did towards restructuring our belief systems. And unfortunately, it kind of reflects a a tendency within us as humans to be attracted to the shiny silver object, to be drawn in. And this takes us ultimately back to a lot of the, the fall in the garden and even the Book of Enoch, which is this enticement that we have in technologies and things that we should really not be enticed with but we are because we we want to create and we want to think that we can do greater than we, than what we're limited to in this in this fleshly body this unfortunate part about that is we're not realizing how great we really are within this fleshly body so it's easy to draw people away and in drawing people away we get wrapped into the ideas that technology can solve everything that's all fallen th- thinking intended to break us from the connections with our father so as we walk in these places where every, it's a shiny silver object and we get drawn away, we notice the cycles of technology get shorter and shorter for the new thing. I mean, people line up, they want to get the latest iPhone, they want to get the latest Android. All of these things are tools and mechanisms of this cabal of darkness that's running the world to keep us pulled away constantly from our father. And as we get into those places we get wrapped up into a materialist narcotic of materialism that literally keeps us running away rather than running to that strength of kingdom. We need to literally just take a breath. And so a lot of that is to take this time in the next few days and just take some time to breathe. And it's literally breathe in Holy Spirit. And, And for me, when I breathe out, I just breathe out all that, we need to release into the world and breathe in that Holy Spirit. And take time to reflect on how amazing a time it is that we live in right now. Now, there's a lot of different perspectives coming into Christmas. There's people that have a lot and are doing have great families and strong families. There's people that have broken families. There's people that have lost people in families, people struggling financially, people that are alone. And this makes the holidays a very... Kind of complicated and diverse event, and I will be very honest. I'm one of these that, that tends to migrate towards that heavier feeling of the holidays, rather than the celebratory and uh, joyous part of the holidays. And in part, it's not be it's because I sense that I, I'm just one who feels that connection with those that have lost so much. I've spent Christmases alone overseas, and it's um, and not so much alone because I've been with connected of soldiers, but the way that I operated over there, I was always on the outside. So there was a there was a sense always of a heaviness of being away from friends and family. And so I have a lot of empathy for those that walk in this space and you'll hear this often, you know, I'm alone for Christmas. The fact of the matter is none of us are alone. And unfortunately what we're struggling what we struggle with is this place of understanding how to step into the glory of Holy Spirit to where it totally fills us in that love of Christ to where that is all that we need. We're wired, intended to feel, to be partnered with somebody. That is, that's just the nature of things. And that's part of that fleshly aspect of where we walk. But as we are reminded constantly, we're trying to exceed beyond the flesh. And really, what we're, what I would interpret this to be in my own walk is we need to anchor ourselves in the spirit so that when we exist in the flesh, we're not committed and tied to the flesh, but we're experiencing the flesh, which is very different. And unfortunately, so much of what has happened, even in our families, is we have been anchored and tied to the flesh. So we've lost the reason and connectivity of being here in the spiritual form. So we talk to people and we we get in arguments. They become very personalized and become very entrenched in the fleshly ways. And in the fleshly ways of that, we end up in conflict. Because we can't separate ourselves from who we really are. This fight, this war that we're immersed in, is all designed to keep us in the flesh. It's designed to keep us inverted as we walk. Its in, it's, incline, its intention is to make us want to fight one another, to di- be divided with one another. To look at the other as something that we can't stand, or somebody that we hate, somebody that we don't agree with. And even in that statement, we forget one of the most fundamental aspects of being within the body of Christ, that within the body of Christ, there is by nature diversity. And the simple metaphor is that the world, if, if you look at yourself as in a part in the body of Christ, a physical part of the body, and you imagine what the world would look like if you're a thumb, or if you imagine what the world would look like if you're an ear, or if you imagine what the world would look like if you're a foot, these things change our perspectives of the world but it doesn't mean we're wrong. And so we end up with a lot of divisiveness. The divisiveness in our church is immense. People having to call them by name, their different denominations identify with that. And they have to define that. It's like, what makes me Episcopalian? What makes me Catholic? What makes me Methodist? What makes me Baptist? And the list goes on. What makes me Pentecostal? And, Unfortunately, what tends to happen is that these ideas of what defines a person, they become a stigma, and they become an idolatry within that structure of faith, and people live into that limitation rather than living into the, limit, the limitlessness of God. And that's where we've arrived, in and in where our churches then become vulnerable, because it's, they're subject to the individualized attacks. Methodists don't get along well with Baptists, and Baptists don't get along well with Catholics or with Pentecostalists. I mean, this is the truth, and this is, unfortunately, that's not the body of Christ. And nowhere in there did Christ say, go forth and make churches that would be divided and, and argue with one another. It wasn't there. Our families are so much the same way because we become entrenched in ideologies and belief structures that are of the flesh. They make no difference in the Spirit. But we become Penchant little children, we hang on to things, we stamp our feet, we say we don't want this. And we, have, we are tied to the flesh in very powerful ways. That in those very intense ways, we, we define ourselves. And w- we make ourselves so rigid in the flesh that we start to separate ourselves from the ability to literally walk and exist in the spirit. I say this a lot with people I talk to. It's like if we could see through the veil and you could see all the demonic activity that was going around you, besides the fact you'd be freaked out, you would change your perspective on almost every person in the world. Because most of these people are being influenced by a demon or a demonic influence of some fashion. that's driving them to do things that in the flesh we say, you're a criminal. But in fact, they have the heart of, of a child of the Most High. But they've been hijacked in various forms. Some of this, the wounding that occurs. And what this ends up sounding like is it sounds like peace at any cost, which it's not. It also sounds like we all are going to get along, which we won't. And I think those are the realistic things to agree on. But what it does say is we have to have the heart to forgive and the heart to heal. And to heal somebody, we have to be able to forgive them. And we have to be able to step in and let, help them forgive themselves. And that's one of the hardest things ever in healing and in deliverance is when someone says, when you ask somebody, forgive yourself, say, I forgive you. If you've done this work, you know very well that that's one of the hardest things people will arrive at to be able to say that I forgive myself. So tonight I want to start with that. And I'm just going to challenge each person listening here to start with those words that I forgive myself. Find something that's waiting on your heart and say, I forgive myself. And let it go. And that's part of a process now of getting us to the place of repentance and being free set free. And it's important. If you're heading into this family weekend, in whatever form it's going to be, there's always stuff in the family. We've always got the crazy uncle. You always have the loud cousin. You always have the brother-in-law that you're rolling your eyes at, like, oh, my goodness. That's okay. And all of that is the orchestra of the voices out there and our role really as we step into these places is to literally pray first and that's an important little point here I want to bring up. When we get around family in particular, we get hooked into patterns and behaviors that we know from a long time. They know you as a certain way, therefore the pressure on that cultural norm is to have you perform a certain way and unfortunately we often do. So if we're walking in strong in the body of Christ and we know that somebody is not, and they, don't, they want to see us as we used to be, say, before you accepted Christ, depending on how your walk is. I'm just using this as an example. There's a tendency for us to go back to the before because it's easier. And because they're relating to you as something before, so it's easier for them to relate to you rather than to see you as who you've become. Now, if you had gone through some sort of specialized training, and the specialized training was, Navy SEAL, Special Forces, Ranger, Delta, Air Force Special Operations, whatever that is, and you had, maybe it was 101st Airborne, whatever you've done, if you went through this sort of training, when you came home and you went away, they would have remembered you for what you were, but when you came home and came through that door with your freshly cut high and tight and your beret, and you step into that family, you would be a different person. And you are a different person at that point in time. And they would see you as a different person. They'd see you as a warrior. And you would engage them that way. You would be different. And you'd have the confidence to do it. Because that's part of the training. And you would feel strong about who you've become. Now, move that to another place. You take somebody who works in the covert realm where they can't talk about any of this. They can't be acknowledged in anything they do. Those are different types of interactions because you know in your heart how you've changed, but nobody else in there knows what you are. And that's a tough one. And see, here's, here's where we end up with some, some things to think about when we're walking with Christ and ask yourself, are you going to be that guy with the, the guy or gal? Are you going to be that person that walks through that door and wears The banner of christ like a special forces soldier wears his green beret or are you going to be that person that walks in like a covert operator and doesn't want anybody to see that christ is on your heart and telling yourself that i can't tell them because they won't understand or because i you're in your mind you can't those two things are not equal and when we get into these engagements in the family we've got to come back to praying into these times especially this over these next few days of asking Holy Spirit to be with you and asking yourself, how do you want people to view you? How do they want people to see you? Families right now are needing the reinforcement of Jesus. And it's important. And we have we are the emissaries to do that. But if we go through a weekend and, and all we're going to do is pull back to where we were or pull back to a quiet place where we don't want to step on toes, we're afraid we're going to get called a Jesus freak, we don't want to talk scripture over the table, but we'll talk politics or we'll talk some nonsense about you know, some LGBTQ agenda or whatever. But to talk into the depth of this, you have to be able to speak into whom you are and walk it as if it is you all through. See, there's a difference. So when you take a warrior and you meet somebody who wears a beret, they don't have to put the beret on for you to recognize in them that something is about them that's different. Same with martial arts. You watch somebody who's been training in martial arts and having done this and actually had this said to me, they're like, people will come up and say, you've trained martial arts. And I'm like, how did you know? It's like, it's the way you walk. It's your, it's your demeanor. You want people to recognize you for that caring of Christ. It's, that, it's the biggest thing we could ever have but that takes us having confidence and grounding in who we are. It's not being timid to say, I love Jesus. It is literally walking in your heart to know that you are part of Christ's army. You are a warrior under Christ's banner. You're part of one of the greatest rescue missions in the history of humankind. Right now, this is what we're doing. And you are a child of the Most High. And when we start to bring those things in that's not prideful it's strength it's grounding it's putting our feet on the feet on the rock of faith and we're able then to walk in without being on defense somebody comes at you in an example oh you're one of those jesus freaks it's like yeah i am and i love it and i'd like to make you one too see this is the parry this is how we deal with blows and this is what jesus has tried to teach us so much is that we don't have to take the sword like peter did and cut off the ear We can take the sword of the spirit, we can heal the ear and completely transform the event to bring the person into us, turn them and send them back into the world transformed and accepting Christ in their heart. And then it gets us then into these sort of art forms like Aikido where literally you're taking the blow and you're moving it through the cycle and flow of the impact of the energy that that blow brings and you're turning that to release it and spin it back into the world. We have to get this good. This is truly the small circle operations of dealing with our faith, and especially in small and tight environments. So as we are working in these times, in these weeks, and these days ahead, we need to find the confidence. The confidence begins in our prayers, and our confidence begins in breathing in and touching into the Holy Spirit. Our confidence begins with walking in that firmness of knowing what's in our heart. Some will have no problem with this. So if it's the message doesn't fit, then it doesn't fit. But I think that most people will find that there's always a challenge when we come together with a group of family on trying to be who we are and not being pulled into the group. And our missions right now are greater than ever, that we are to be part in our walk to be whom God intended us to be. And in doing that and weaving this together beautifully, we become very strong voices in kingdom and we become very strong voices in bringing people to the heart of Jesus I, I would just um, say here that it's, it's, our mission is clear. It is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to heal the sick and the broken. It is to raise the dead. It is to cast out demons. And it's to pray against all things in warfare. And when people don't understand that, it's easy to start tagging you as some sort of freak. Like, oh, you're one of those Jesus freaks. It's like, no, I'm not. But like I said, you can also say, yes, I am. I'd like to make you one too. What we are is we're walking in more in the purity of who we're intended to be. And that's very foreign for a lot of people these days. Unfortunately, our country is very much walking in the desert and it's surrounded by wolves and they are ready to pounce and pray. And we need to be raising up those strong warriors across this nation as God is doing. And the warrior we have to break into is the warrior that understands the power of prayer, the power of deliverance, the power of of casting out demons, the power of healing the broken and the sick, to understand the true nature of that power. And the way that we get there isn't by being arrogant or afraid or stepping back. The way we get there is truly with a humility before God. There's some things I had to take to the, to the Lord today. And it deals just with some very deep and personal interactions that I've been having that are challenging and beautiful at the same time. And when you have to bring these to the Lord and lay these down, and you have to lay down the challenges of what's before you and be honest about where you own areas that perhaps this isn't what God wanted or intended, and turn it back over to Him, and take that away from your heart. There's always this duality that goes on there because we have to pull out of us things that we want and give it to the Lord. And at the same time, we have to let the Lord pour back into us to to raise us up to another level. And that's literally a process of burning. It's refining. It's a process that in that engagement, in that encounter. There is a pulling away out of our heart that leaves often a very dark, not dark but a very painful pull but there's a the return of the investment in God that puts in us that literally cleanses that and heals that and raises it up and there's within that there is truly a step we have to take to walk this way as we should all be walking which is what I call the darkness of faith and that's not darkness like you think about it this I, this was actually a story originally shared to me by Brad Cummings and I which I respected and I so much and I've taken it on to my own experience now But it's literally where we have to step into a place where we can see nothing ahead of us, behind us, around us, anywhere. It's pure pitch darkness. Other than the fact that we know that we are listening and following the guidance of the Lord. And it's there that we have the ultimate faith, that we lay it down so far that we know that we will not question God and we will let him carry us forward in every step, trusting in him. And that's tough. But I want you to imagine that being in a whole weekend of family or whatever you're doing and living into that space to where everything you say, everything you do, every interaction you have is based on how the Lord is guiding you. And you're trusting that much in him. That could lead to some pretty interesting things like casting out demons for somebody in the household, healing for prayer in somebody for miraculous healing. It can be all sorts of things. So when we start to understand the power of what God is talking to us about in in having faith in him, there isn't any room. We're either all in or we're not. And the enemy's working overtime to try to marginalize this and trim this down and get us to a place where we are not as committed to the Lord as we should be. This is this... idea again is we start on an azimuth and we have the straight azimuth towards the Lord. And all we have to do is vector off one degree. And in 60 miles that one degree becomes one mile. One mile off target by a one degree error at the beginning. That's Satan's game. And he, he revels in that space. So part of our process again is remembering how we win this thing. There is no question that we have to be vigilant in what's coming. And there's nowhere in Scripture that says that we're to lay everything down and walk into this world and be slaughtered by the enemy. But there's also the ferocity of our faith, and are you willing to sacrifice all for the faith? Are you willing to put it all down and sacrifice everything? And we say these things. Some some will say yes, some will pause. But ultimately, that's what this is about, is laying it all down on every level, laying it all down, being willing to lose everything for the sake of the Lord, willing to. And when I say that, it doesn't mean you will, but you have to be willing to. And to show that to God in such a profound way that you are willing to let go of everything of this world to be obedient to him, no matter what. Whatever it leads, wherever it goes, you shall be obedient to him at whatever cost. That's the sort of laying down we're talking about. And as we enter into a weekend with family, if we're going to lay all that down and say, God, lead me for everything that I am. Point me in the direction I need to go. Leave nothing in me that is not of you. As we step into that amazing place in the family, we start to arrive at something very, very profound. Because we're now becoming truly an an extension of his hand in areas that lead us to do things that truly will be and are the miracles of the living God. I was praying for healing for somebody last week, and we were doing. I was doing daily healing prayers on this a couple times a day. And as things got along, it was just kind of like passed over the idea that this healing happened literally in unprecedented time. This particular infection usually takes about ten days, and we were praying on it, and the infection got cleared in three, maybe four, but three particularly. And in the conversations of things going along, and and they were sharing with me and we're just kind of stepping along. I had to take a pause and go, do you realize we just did this in three days? We're doing it because we're staying focused on where the Lord wants us to. We're staying focused in these these miracles and wonders. And these are the things that now as we are working in this, these are the greater works that are beginning to expose to us. And perhaps we wouldn't call that greater works as just the gifts and talents that he intended for us, our awakening. And we have to be, tenacious about it. And we have to lean into this. And so when we walk into families, we should all be praying for the healing of families. Because every family has healing to do at some level. Every family at some level is going to need to can benefit from prayer and benefit from Holy Spirit and benefit from being lifted up. Every family somewhere is going to have some sort of baggage and burden that needs to be freed. And what our role becomes increasingly is to get into these places and to be able to do that work to set people free. It is a celebratory time and we have to keep that on our optic of focus as well because our enemy wants us to be focused on everything but. Enemy wants us to be focused on chaos, wants to be focused on instability, wants to be focused on divisiveness and hatred, wants to be focused on war, wants to be focused on death because it is a spirit of death versus the spirit of life. And so our walk constantly has to be that of the spirit of life that we have to keep seeking and reaching higher to get to the spirit of life in all things we do. And sometimes that's not an easy process. Sometimes we have to literally let it go. We have to let it burn out of us. We have to step away into a place where we have to let go of the most precious things we want and I just find that this process that I've, I've been in my whole life, but in particular in the last 10, 10 weeks, basically Barts Fest forward, I've been put on a cycle with God of literally going through the refining fires almost weekly. To the point that when you start to bump into it, and again, you're like, you roll your eyes, you're like, here we go. And it's tough. Every time you get there, it's going to leave your heart hurting to a degree. It's what I refer to as the sorrow. But it's a sorrow that we go through, that we, as we refine it, we, leave, we step into the greater love. And that greater love happens because we can feel the sorrow of what we're letting go, of that connection. Maybe it's of the fleshly world, or it's a wound or something. Maybe it's an old story that we have to cut free. But we're cutting it free, and we're stepping into something greater. And what I know is that these horizons start opening up, and you start to see deeper and farther within the Spirit. And you start to see deeper and farther within the power of love. And I will tell you honestly, I see the power of what this is. And I've shared with you dreams that I've had and what that means in terms of the power of love, to take whole armies and bring them to their knees and weeping. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that power to be able to bring a substantial impact of love upon the land that people themselves were on their knees praying and and repenting before God? I've seen the power of love to heal the land itself, physical. And we've witnessed prayers constantly every week with the testimonies we have that we pray and we're praying at a distance. And yet we get a, a litany of testimonies talking about miracle healing. And the question is always the same. Do we believe? It's easy to say yes, but when I say do you believe, is it, is it everything? Are you willing to lay it all down for that? So when I look across a world that is so divided right now, and I'm, and I'm looking at this going to myself, wow, what amazing opportunities we have at this very moment. Opportunities to step in and heal in intimate places, to bless the food so the food itself becomes an extension of the blessings of healing, to get in conversations not about politics but about the love in Christ. But in the, it doesn't even have to be that because in this We can just talk about the love in general of what does love does as a a measure of healing and unity. And I don't deny that. And Jesus is an important part, but we know how people are, especially when you're dealing with people on the outside of everything. There's a tendency to want to be, because of some fantastic programming across our culture, that even the word Jesus tends to get them a little bit offset. And it should because it's a powerful word. It's a powerful name. Christmas becomes that place of healing and refining and building deeper bridges or new bridges. But we also have another challenge in Christmas, which is the material aspect. So I'm not, I'm not going to go on a rant against anti-materialism, but what I am going to say is in the midst of all of this, let me share with you a story that I think is helpful in these times going ahead. In Bartsfest of 2021... And Bar's Fest was in the end of August in St. Louis. The trip out, I was talking to Pastor Brad Cummings, and his comment to me was, be careful when you are doing these events. Be careful because you can get wrapped up so far in the event that you lose the purpose of what God had you here for. I've told this story many times, but I think it's relevant to tell tonight again. So, I also made a significant mistake of inviting the devil town to fight us at that event and he showed up. So for the first, we started on Thursday, but the setup was on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday were quite frankly miserable days. It was an event that we were literally having to almost pull ourselves through it by force and things were not moving smoothly. There was tension and conflict in different areas it should not have been. and. As we moved through those days, it was just getting fatiguing and it culminated in the morning of of the worst of it, it culminated on Friday morning when I was driving into the event and I was informed that Mike Lindell had arrived early and on the schedule that we had made, our updated schedule, Mike was speaking at one and then he was going to speak again that night. That updated schedule never got posted. And so when Mike came in, he was told he wasn't supposed to be there till this evening. On top of it, we had had a VIP room that literally was a disaster in the making because we had had one room and then the hour before Mike Lindell got there, the fire department came in and said, you can't have this room and they shut it down and they forced us out. So all the work we had spent for two days building up a VIP room was erased. We had, our badging system was down. We had badges. Everything was off, everything. And Mike wasn't listed to speak. And I wasn't on site yet, as he came a bit early. This is one of these moments when you really feel the world is just gonna crush you, because everything that you've done and been working for seems to be falling apart. And on top of it, the VIP room that we were given to replace it, though bigger, Was had been like an old Gap store or something because we were in an abandoned mall. And what was incredibly messy about this is every piece of furniture you can imagine was packed in there. It was dirty, and it was not anything close to looking like a VIP room. So when I got there on site, I pulled everybody together, and we had a conversation, and I just said, look, we need all your effort everybody to help with this and let's transform this place. And so through the day on Friday, the team did an amazing job of transforming a space into something really amazing, a really amazing VIP space. And as we worked through that difficult day, Mike did come back, obviously. I was on the phone with his assistant, Caitlin, and apologizing for the confusing. And she was basically reassuring me that it was okay because Mike just needed to get some sleep. And we got to that evening and Mike knocked it out of the park told his testimony for an hour of how he came to Christ and the pillow story and his drug past. And at the end of that presentation, a rainbow broke out above him in the sky. And so he went on to interview every interview with every single podcaster that wanted to be there, and he shook every hand of every person that wanted to shake his hand, which summed out to be about 1,000 people. So I went back late to my Airbnb and I crashed and I got a text early in the morning, somewhere around five thirty. And it was a prayer team. And they said, We have a word for you. And it was, you need to repent. And this was one of these moments where I'm in conflict because we've already made out the schedule for the whole weekend. And in my idea, it's like, How are we gonna work this in? And I reached for my Bible and the Bible wasn't there. And it was literally a, bo- a moment of being broken. I found myself very deeply embedded in a place where i realized that I'd fallen trapped to what Brad had warned me about, that the event itself, it can become bigger than God. And that in itself was exactly where I didn't want to be. And that's where truly you do have the fear of the Lord with you, settle in on you because you do not want to be outside. That, that's To me, that's where the fear is, is when we're outside that, that that reach of God. So I called the team, and they immediately went to work. I said, well, find your Bible. I jumped in the truck, and I took off in the Jeep, and I got down to the site. And as I walked into the site, the team had my Bible in hand, and I took it. And I knew immediately then, when I left, I had no idea what I was going to do. In fact, I was talking to God. I'm like, how do we do this, Lord? How do we do this? How do we turn this into a repenting event? We've got everything else going on. And when I got there, I was greeted by the team members. Like I said, they got me my Bible. I went right in and I found Brad Cummings and I, he was in the VIP. I said, I have a job for you. I said, today I'm going to ask that every person in the VIP that you tell them to speak about repentance. And then I went right over to the stage and I took the mic. And I let everybody in the first repenting prayer for the weekend, which continued on throughout the day and the next day. And we turned the tide. We turned the tide because we put our eyes back where they needed to be. We turned the tide of the event and cast the demons out and the devil out because we put our eyes back on God. And everything that they had tried to do ultimately failed, meaning that the dark influences. And we came out of this thing incredibly strong because we did the right thing by as a whole, all of us, putting our eyes back on heaven and repenting. The end of that whole Bard's Fest, as you've heard me tell, was at the very end. I was so tired. I was praying for strength just to get through my final speech, and I'm not, not exaggerating about that. And I was getting through just the final talks after recognizing some people and just walking through that, just trying to tick off those last things that I was going to say. And I hear the crowd gasp, and you know, they're like, and pointing up at the sky. And I'm telling myself, and telling myself, don't listen, don't look yet. Finish your talk. And, I, and I'm just like, Jesus has helped me finish this. And I did. And then I looked up. And what did they see? It was in the middle of a blue day, clear skies, clear as can be. There was a rainbow that was above, directly above the Barts Fest event, right above me and the whole crowd. All that story to say this, as we head into the weekend, anchor yourself first in God. Place yourself before the throne and spend a bit of time in repentance. And if you don't know what you're repenting for, ask God to show you. But above all of this weekend and the time that you have with family, don't lose perspective on what we're doing here. Don't let the event be greater than God. Bring God in. Set the table. Sit down. Dine with him. Invite him in. That's the powerful things that we need to be at right now. And when we follow that method, you'll find that this weekend, no matter how challenging or how easy it is, we'll all be equal. They will be great works in the kingdom as we start to bring people closer to Christ. And that includes those that will tell you that I'm good. I've already accepted Jesus. <laughs> They're probably the ones that need it the most. So set your conditions. Be prepared when you walk in. Understand where your headset is. Turn yourself over to Holy Spirit and walk in there and let it flow like tonight's show. Let it flow. And when you get through all of that and you've prayed into all of that, seek to let Holy Spirit guide you to do something greater this time with family than you've ever done. And I don't know what that is, but I guarantee you're capable of doing it. And I guarantee Holy Spirit and God understand what it's going to be. And when we accomplish that greatness, it becomes, a, in the midst of all the stupid in the world, that Christmas can become one of the great Christmases in their life that they look back on and go, wow, that was amazing. And that's where we all want to be. The Patriots, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this evening and just a free form and free flow discussion about the places of love and the places of, of where we come to places of healing and the objectives that we have to raise up the family. And so we're, we're strong in this walk and we're blessed that you're with us. We just ask that you'll continue to pour down upon us. And on this weekend, bless every person going in with that clarity of the Holy Spirit, the confidence in the Holy Spirit, that everything that is done will begin with prayer and end with prayer. Everything will begin with victory and end with victory. And to keep focused on the place you want us to be, whom you want us to be, and not what we were. So Father, we just raise up this this following, these people here in the Bars nation, this community, and to lift them up. And we say, praise Jesus. And let each one be touched in their hearts on the great things that are possible when we literally walk into the anointings given to us and walk as we are intended to be by God. Guide us and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, we focus on the greatness of unity. We focus on the greatness of love. We focus on all the things of speaking life into people. And we open that door up for Holy Spirit to walk in and say, you're going to go left, not right. You're going to go straight, not down. And we keep these things there. The words flow, the time flows, the unity builds. And we turn something that's a gathering into something that can be truly a spiritual event maybe even a revival. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed weekend. I'll be back here on Sunday morning, regular time for prayer, Sunday evening for Peace Be Still. may do a pop-up show tomorrow or sometime. Just pay attention. And then we're going to have our Monday morning prayer before Christmas, Christmas Day, and then our normal shows. So keep your head up. Have a blessed night. Have a very Merry Christmas. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
2: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest Oh.